Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sorrentos, Editor-in-Chief of the Chicago Podcast Network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. Hey, people. Uh, we are here today. It is six days from the election, but before we get into our normal show, just wanted to let everybody know you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One, and you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Those are the propers. This is the show out front, and uh, we're six days away, AJ. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2016. In six days, America goes to the polls to decide whether or not they want to live or die apparently um at least that's the general vibe i'm getting from everything how about you yeah um it's just it's kind of uh exhilarating yet nervous at the same time for me uh it it could either be the biggest clusterfuck we're ever gonna see in the united states or is this gonna be more the same and you can kind of choose which candidate is the most appropriate for either of those descriptions? Well, here we are with just this amount of time left, and I want to point out to everybody that we are aware of the fact, and it was pointed out on The Daily Show as well last night, that we generally recorded our shows on either Thursdays or Fridays. Occasionally we do it earlier in the week, but our Friday shows we tend to do around 12. And I swear to God, AJ, every Friday we've recorded a show, And then, I don't know about you, but what I try to do is, at least for a few hours on Friday night, we've been doing politics all week, is to shut it down, go entertain myself, and then come back, you know, the next day and catch up on the news. And every single time I've done that, within an hour of us leaving our recording areas, hell has broken loose on on society, and another story breaks. We had... Uh, the Trump tape. We had Hillary Clinton's uh, leaked speeches. We had Donald Trump going after Gold Star families on a Friday. I mean, this whole thing is is insane. And then you get to last Friday where Hillary Clinton has a double-digit lead all across the country, and then the FBI director sends the vaguest letter in the history of vague letters to... Congress basically saying that we found more emails on Anthony Weiner's computer that may be related to the Hillary Clinton scandal. We don't know yet what that means. And everyone just kind of went, well, maybe be a little bit more specific if you're going to release this shit now. I'm just curious, AJ, it's been a, a weekend since you and I talked. What did you think of that whole thing? Uh, there's no words. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's like you said whenever uh, we get done with our recording and, you know, watch the news, listen to the radio, it just seems like something else happens. And it's like there's no time in the day to do 24-hour podcasting because that's all one has to do in this election is to run 24-hour podcasting because between – Donald's tweets, his sayings, Mike Pence saying things, Hillary saying things, the FBI saying things, WikiLeaks saying things. It, it's, it's just too much information. It's really this, um, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's really data overload. It's like there's, there's too much information out there. And for to pr- not only to process this, but to even commentate on this it, it, there's nowhere to begin and I, I'm just at a loss every time it's like what do you want me to say 
I mean, I, what do you really want me to say? Because you're kind of doing it for us. And like what the Daily Show has done, um, what other um, alternative media outlets have done, it's just, you know, let's just do what we have to do. And if, you know, we can get a nugget of information out then awesome if not then you know we'll just let it ride out because we'll wait five minutes and then something else will break you know i mean it's we we look at this election and and i gotta be honest with you six days out with everything that's going on i just i've gotten to the point my friend where not only do i want this to be over but i am so tired of having people say to me when I bring up, well, Donald Trump can't be president because he's nuts and he doesn't do the work and he's not informed, he's not engaged, he has the vocabulary of a four-year-old, and everyone goes, well, Hillary Clinton's worse. And you look at them and go, okay, why? And all they can give you is rumor and innuendo, and then they start listing all the things that she's done worse than Trump. And I'm just like, that's not a defense. The defense that somebody is doing, also doing bad things, it's, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. Nothing seems to register with anybody that this guy is literally as mercurial as, well, mercury. I mean, he literally just, at any given point, is is for something, against something. He loves the FBI. He hates the FBI. He loves the FBI. It, it just it won't do anything. He wants law and order, but he wants the FBI to not be political. He, he wants all of these different things that none of them exist together. He has no official position on anything. You know, you try to pin him down on how you're going to build the wall and make Mexico pay for it. Okay, well, how? Trade deficit. That's not how trade deficit works. We'll make it work. Okay, well, that's not an answer. And it's just it's getting to the point where six days out, this dude could actually win. And every day it gets closer and then it spreads out. Here's my question. I want to get on to, and ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, on today's show, we're not going to be spending a lot of time on this uh, election. Uh, we want to get down into some of the downstate races, but we would be remiss if we didn't at least get into this stuff. Before we move off the Trump topic, AJ, here's the thing that I really, truly want to ask you. Is this election with Trump going to be the big defining moment that people think that it is? Yes. Or, okay. If that is the case, then here is my follow-up. Is this election as close as the media is leading us to believe? I don't think that it is. I think Hillary is going to win this election pretty handily. And I think at this point, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News are making it seem like a race because they need the ratings. Yes and no. Um, I, I think it is, you know, the media has to do that because that's what pays the ads, right? Right. Um, so they have to do that. But then there's this other thing where I th- that this is probably, this is the election that is the most divisive because you actually have two people, one in particular, who is driving what the media is actually doing, you know? I mean, you, you can't say that four years ago. You couldn't say that eight years ago. You couldn't say that 12 years ago. Um, yeah, you're going to hear, like, well, this is going to be the worst person ever. Yeah, this per, you know, my, my opponent's going to be the worst person ever. We've heard that, but this is the first time you're actually having somebody who is actually driving the media on what they're not supposed to do. Which is, you know, 
broadcast tweets, bringing in people who don't know what they're doing in a campaign, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I can't really say it's all media um, as much as I don't like mainstream media, but I can't really say it's all them. But I can say that with Trump, um, as well as Clinton, that they're doing the other um, load of the work in order for us to have these kind of conversations. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. I just, I, I, I'm at a loss for words for this election. I'm tired of fighting with people about it. I'm tired of trying to be rational with people. And I just, there's a, there's coming to a point where you just want to stand up and scream and lose. I, and, and just look at people and go, are you out of your damn mind with this idiot? And at the same time, the, 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 the worst problem about it is you can't really point to the other and go, well, look at this amazing achievement over here on this side. Because every time you bring up Hillary Clinton, the people who are against her just immediately start going off about how corrupt she is. And you and I have talked many times on this show that while there is a lot of rumor and innuendo, there are two possibilities here now. One, Hillary Clinton is innocent of everything that she's been accused of for the last 30 years. Or... She is Moriarty and is the greatest criminal of all time. There is, she's been dragged in front of the House of Representatives three times on Benghazi, once on the emails. She's defended herself on a lot of stuff, and it's just getting to the point where I'm like, look, if you, that's the thing that bugs me the most about, I think, the Hillary Clinton stuff is if you bark long enough and you make enough noise eventually people just start to accept it as fact and i truly believe that that is a major part am i saying that hillary clinton is completely clean no no politician is completely clean of doing wrong stuff i just think the stuff that she gets accused of that are in the extreme like the fact that she's killed 46 people somehow is is the stuff where you go okay well if she's guilty of that and got away with it doesn't that say that the people that you're voting for on your side of the aisle are incompetent at their jobs that they haven't been able to catch her like if you if you had a serial killer in your town and you arrested them and then the DA botched the prosecution, that DA needs to be fired. And if that's the instance here where you're so worried about Hillary Clinton, yet every time she comes up in front of Congress, they can't find anything, maybe it's on the other side. Or maybe a lot of it is just getting made up for political purposes. I don't know. I just know I'm sick of all of it. Oh, most definitely. Um it- I just can't wait till the election and the day after because uh, I think one way or another you have Clinton winning and you don't know what's going to happen when Trump is a very sore loser and the things that he's going to do and everything. And there's also the reverse that, you know, Trump wins. You don't know what Hillary and the Democrats are going to do when it comes to um, changing certain laws or making their own kind of hissy fit um, that's not as dramatic as Trump and everything. So I think it's going to be interesting because it's going to be a, a culmination of what happened in the 2000 election. I think it's going to be a culmination of what happened in the 68, conve- um, 68 presidential convention. Um, it's just going to be very interesting because and I've told people this kind of jokingly that, you know, I just want to vote for Trump so I can really push 
society off the cliff and just start all over because that's what's going to really going to take. Yeah, well, may your Armageddon come to pass then, my friend. Well, if you want to be on my side, you know where to find me. Uh, yeah, all the way over there on the right where you belong. That was just to insult you. I was to say. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to switch over a little bit now. I want to get into, just so you know, this election is not just about running for president. That is always... Yes, in- it is. Okay, well, every four years, it's the sexy election. Here's gonna, who are you going to vote for for president? <laughs> this year's, it, it, it takes almost all of your brain power, but we figured it'd be time to educate you guys. We've been working on this for a little bit here. And we wanted to let you guys know about some of the other races that are going on. So me and uh, AJ and I, sorry, Grandma, focused on a congressional race. And then we're going to talk about the Senate race. And if we got time, we're going to get into a couple other down ballot issues that are, going, that are being discussed here in the state of Illinois. But we'll start with the United States Senate and the race that is taking place right now in Illinois between the incumbent, Mark Kirk, and the challenger, Tammy Duckworth. And if you don't know who either of these people are, then one would assume that you have not had the television on for the last six months because they have been spending a lot of money in this state. This is one of those races that the Democrats have really focused on as a possibility of helping them gain back control of the Senate. Mark Kirk is embattled here, uh, which is interesting because he is, for the most part, I, I guess, AJ, would you be fair to say he's a moderate Republican to almost a liberal Republican? Almost, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of those people. He has never really he never supported Trump. He stands, you know, he he supports the TPP. He's he is a moderate Republican. He has stood up to the Republican Party several times. A lot of people would argue that that's just politics because you're in the, one of the more liberal states in the country, at least as far as Chicago voting goes. At the same time, uh, this is a guy. Who is, or this is a race that can help determine whether or not Democrats win control of the Senate. So we're going to talk about that for just a minute. Tammy Duckworth, just so you know, she is a veteran of the first Gulf War. I believe it was the first Gulf War, yes? Yes. I'm double-checking that. I brought. By the way, if you're ever looking for information about any of this stuff, there's a wonderful resource available to you out there on the Internet. It's a wonderful organization called Ballotpedia. They do a great job of stuff. Uh, let's see here. She... Uh, has been served, this is Tammy Duckworth now, in the House of Representatives, she has served on the Armed Services Committee. She has served on the Gov- Oversight on Government Reform Committee. She has voted in several important uh, bills as she served in Congress. Uh, she voted no on trade adjustment assistance. She voted no on trade promotion authority. Voted no on trade promotion of the authority of the second vote. This is... Uh, let's see here. We've got trade assembly vote. She voted yes for defense spending, which I actually have a problem with because she just voted yes without any arguing. Voted no for the budget that was proposed by the Republican and then for the extension. Uh, let's see. Anything else that we need to do? Uh, she voted against sanctions for Iran, which means people can go after her for national security if you want. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, you're talking about a Democrat through and through, a member of the Democratic Party elite, member of the establishment versus a moderate Republican. So these are the choices that you have to make in this race. Mark Kirk has actually been a pretty decent senator, I would argue. Um, If you're going to vote against him, it is mainly because you support the idea of a fully Democratic or at least a Democratic majority Senate. 
And what that would mean is you would have at least an easier path to getting certain parts of this progressive agenda uh, that Bernie Sanders fought so hard for in the primary to get onto the Democratic platform. Uh, this is one of those races where that's going to matter. AJ, where do you come down on this race? Or are you going third party just to be third party? I, well, I, I know the third party candidate, Scott Summers, for the Greens, and there's Chad Copy for the um, uh, Libertarian Party, I believe. And um, so I might vote for Scott because I know him and he's a good guy and everything. But with Mark and Tammy, uh, <laughs> it's just interesting because you have, as you said, you have a Democratic machine person, Tammy Duckworth. You have probably the most moderate Republican, and that is Mark Kirk. Um, I've had... I've always had issues with Mark Kirk when it comes to like funding the war and things of that nature. Um, but in terms of you know a safe candidate, I mean you're going to get that with Mark Kirk. I mean he's voted on things that are more Democratic Party legislation, everything. He's voted for those things. Uh, he's actually will like talk to people on the Democratic Party side and everything. Um, the one time I met Tammy Duckworth, I just got this feel of, you know, she's just part of that system, that everything was this, you know, here's your talking points and be personable as possible, go. Um, but I've also, I've seen the one debate that they were in at University of Illinois Springfield, and I thought that was interesting in and of itself, but I've also... I've also, I don't know about you, Nick, but I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, should Mark Kirk stay in? Because, you know, for those who don't know, he had a stroke. So he has to be in a wheelchair um, most of the time. But he has stood up before to speak and everything. Um, Tammy Duckworth, who did fight in a war, um, lost both her legs. Um, she, too, uses a wheelchair, but she has stood up before. Um and everything, but I've always seen those two like subtly talk about like you know Mark Kirk is his health is not good, or Mark would say something about Tammy and everything, and it's like, but like, why are you doing this? <laughs> I mean, you both have unfortunate um, disabilities. Why attack each other on that? Yeah, it seems weird. It's the it is honestly very similar to the Trump Clinton thing of like either one neither one of you have a right to talk about marriages at all. So just ignore that issue as long as you can. It's 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 ridiculous. But there is the big story that broke over the weekend after the debate. Uh, this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this race. Uh, during the debate, uh, Tammy Duckworth. Uh, said, my family has served this nation in uniform going all the way back to the revolution. At the debate, uh, Mark Kirk replied, I've forgotten that your parents came all the way from Thailand to serve George Washington. Duckworth's mother was born in Thailand. Her father was born in Maryland. Kirk then later took to Twitter, which I love that Twitter is an important part of every election now. Of course. It's so annoying. Uh, to say, uh, to apologize, and then you had a bunch of people come out and say that Mark Kirk is a racist. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the guy's a racist. I think that he was in a debate and he got heated and he tried to come up with a cute little line that was 
stupid, but it wasn't bad, but it's apparently cost him several endorsements and some fundraising money in the final weeks of the election, which is really going to hurt him. He's currently trailing by four points to Tammy Duckworth across the state. It's looking more and more like Tammy Duckworth is going to win this election, and I, I agree with you, though. It's, it's, it's one of those mudslinging. This race is really, in a lot of ways, if, if you want to study, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on in the rest of the country, away from the presidential election, this is the race to follow. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah. And, you know, for those of us in Illinois, I mean, Mark Kirk, I mean, this is Obama's seat, right? And a lot of people want to, especially when Obama left the Senate seat, obviously, to become president, that there needed to be someone else in Obama's seat. And by that, I mean, you know, a person of color um, in that seat and everything. And when Mark Kirk won, people were up in arms about it because here we are. Now we have a Republican senator and a Democratic senator from Illinois, and neither one of them see eye to eye on things. And now we're going to have Tammy where the Democratic Party and the, the DCCC is dumping money into that campaign. And now you're going to have Tammy Duckworth and, you know, potentially another Dick Durbin re-election to have a, um, two U.S. senators that are Democrats. And not a lot of people are happy about that either. Well, and also when you're talking about two Democrats here in the state of Illinois, you're talking... The, the political machine that we all learn about in history class, if you live in Illinois, about Richard J. Daley and how he ran Chicago and how that spread throughout the rest of the state eventually, if you don't think that that machine still exists, you're crazy. And these are two people, Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth, who are products of that machine. So, by the way, is Rahm Emanuel and, by the way, is Barack Obama. And it's crazy to me that this thing still exists to this level of power and the only real reservation i have about tammy duckworth is if you're talking about somebody who's going to get elected with special interest money and be beholden to lobbyists you're talking about a tammy duckworth she is representation of cartel politics is i guess a good way to put it she is part of that system she is beholden to that system. If she goes against that system, it's going to end up costing her the election, you know, going forward. And like you're saying, the amount of money that the DCCC is throwing at this race in just television ads alone is crazy. Every Cubs game so far, I've seen at least three Tammy Duckworth ads to like one Mark Kirk. Uh, they've started to do the whole Mark Kirk uh, is a member of the Rauner Republican group, even though he is clearly not. Uh, that bugs me. I, I am not opposed to Mark Kirk winning re-election. I, I do think it's funny that this is we're all talking about Barack Obama's seat. But it's not his seat. It's the state of Illinois' seat. And realistically, we should elect whoever we think is most qualified. And before we get off of this topic, I would just like to remind you, my friend, that we could have had the worst of all possible circumstances all the way back, which is we could have still had Alan Keyes. The black oh, I loved Alan Keyes. You just I loved his Alan. voice. Oh, Alan Keyes was my best friend. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Alan Keyes. He speaks like this. <laughs> For those who um, have never followed Illinois politics, uh, when Obama was running for the Senate seat, the Republicans had no one on their bench. So what did they do? They went to Maryland and <laughs> said, Hey, Alan, we need you in Illinois. In Illinois... 
and I, don't know, I can't speak for other states, but I think in Illinois, you don't have to reside in Illinois to run for Congress or for Senate. Um, the only rule is like if you win, then you have to like move into Illinois or your congressional district when you win. So they re- so they recruited Alan Keyes. Alan Keyes, and, and and he's well spoken. That's all he's good for. Um, Do you call that well spoken? Does having a very distinct delivery make you well spoken? Not not the delivery, but I mean, I, I've heard him speak. No, I mean, I when, know, he was, I just, when he was Illinois, I mean, yeah, his delivery was a little bit like annoying. But I mean, I just remember when that was all going down. I, I was laughing because if there's one state that there there are probably like four places in the country where you cannot come in from the outside and win. Illinois is one. I would say Philadelphia is another. You know, Pennsylvania is probably a good example of a state that you can't just go into and people will accept you. They'll throw snowballs at Santa, for Christ's sake. They're not going to accept an outsider running. Uh, And, you know, Florida tends to not do well with outsiders. And obviously, the deep in the heart of Texas, deep in the heart of Texas, they don't want people from the outside coming in. Illinois is one of them, though. We are a hometown team kind of group. And the fact that somebody was like, especially from the East Coast with that kind of delivery, no one in Illinois was going to vote for him. But what was even worse is that the Republicans were like, we need someone who's also black, yeah. a Republican, the, the to rare, represent, and that's the guy. The rare black Republican. It's like, you have no one on your bench. No one. And this is, I mean, that's it's not true. like. They had one person on their bench. They oh. uh, Do you remember who they wanted? And he said no. Well, there was Dicka. One that's time. the one. Oh, God, I wanted that so bad. Well, I think you wanted him, too, when his name was floating around for gubernatorial candidate. Let me tell you something, gang. In our state, we're going to get tough. Ditka is going to run. Ditka is Illinois Trump. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Too. I'll give it to you. He is, though. He's got his Ditka wines. He's got his Ditka cigars. Instead of having hotels all across the country, he's got five restaurants throughout Cook County. Yeah, but he ran a good team. That's fair. He's got at least one successful moment. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when, when I've heard people say the same thing about other um, professional um, sport coaches, and it's like, you know, he's like the Trump of football, the Trump of baseball. I'm like, but they're winning. You know who I'd like to see run for office? If we're going to talk about football coaches who should run, I want to see Bill Belichick run. I thought you were going to say that, but I want to see Bill Cowher. No, see, but Bill Cowher would actually just be blustery. He'd be like Ditka. I want Belichick (laughs) to go up and do press conferences and debates like he does them now. Mr. Excuse me, Mr. Belichick, how do you feel about the Trans-Pacific Partnership? I feel that it's none of your business whether or not we do it, and if I'm going to vote for it, I feel it would be fine. Okay, when you would like to clarify what you, what specifically you don't like about the Trans-Pacific... I didn't say I didn't like it, I didn't say I liked it, I'm just up here because I'm required to be here by law. Like, it would just be that, it'd be like, and then, you know, you could have John Brady as, I don't know, Secretary of Offense, I, I guess because you don't want him on defense. I mean, if you want to go back, Bill Walsh. Ooh, that'd be good. I mean, if you want to talk about a well-oiled team, <laughs> and we're talking about 49ers, what did I you, mean... 
wouldn't you like to have like one of those inspirational coaches though, like a Tony Dungy? Tony Dungy as president just gives fired up halftime speeches for State of the Unions. Well, I, I would go with Phil Jackson on that one then. Tell you this, weed would be legal pretty fast. You know, I, I mean, how- Phil Jackson is coach. I mean, him doing the triangle. <laughs> have I ever, have I ever told you my uh, my theory on Phil Jackson? What? So everyone always says that he's the Zen master. He's the greatest coach of all time. He got all these awesome stars to play for him and everything. Mm-hmm. And as a habitual stoner throughout his 20s, let me ex- explain this to people. It's really easy to get people to get along when you smoke weed with them. Right. It's incredibly easy to get people to get along if they know that they're just going to be getting high together. And if right. you don't think Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan smoked a bone every now and then, you're out of your mind. Or Scottie Pippen. Yes, but... You or know, I was just gonna say though that you know that Scotty never had his own weed. No tip. Oh, and I'm sure he did. No, no tip and Pippin never had his own shit. He's that. You don't dude. think so? No, he's that dude who shows up at the party and like everyone's got stuff and he doesn't, and then he smokes it anyway. But then you bring in like Rodman in, and it's like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, but Rodman's in the corner doing blow with hookers. I mean. But he has his stuff. I mean, he has quality stuff. Yeah, but he doesn't share it. I don't care. At least you know it's there. Fair enough. I mean, if and you asked him... And he, when he's gone, you can just take it. Well, I imagine you could just scrape the glass table and get you know a pretty decent amount from the <laughs> shit that's left over. Uh, <laughs> do you want to get into one of the races you wanted to talk about? Yes, there's the uh, Illinois 1st Congressional District. Um, First Congressional District. The first, uh, Bobby Rush, who's been there since I don't know, eighteen seventy-two. No, um, <laughs> has he been there the entire time we've been alive? Yeah, that's insane. Um, and his um, Republican opponent is um, August Ducher. Is it Ducher or Ducher? I think it's Ducher, but everyone's been calling it Ducher, and that's just great. It's a horrible name for a politician. Also, he's also on the Republican chopping block. I mean, this is a guy that you serve up to a Bobby Rush. Because we talked during the Tammy Duckworth discussion a couple minutes ago about how the political machine is still alive and well. Hi, Bobby Rush. Welcome for being, you know, just literally should have a sign around his neck that just says, I am a member of the Democratic machine. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. So, Bobby Rush, who I've always known to be in the 1st Congressional District... Since I can remember. Um, and the first congressional district has <clears throat> changed over the years, <clears throat> but primarily it's been a deep south side congressional district, and the current district goes, I mean, if you look at look at it on the map, it, it really like gerrymanders into the southern suburbs and goes into um, the, de- the gateway of downstate Illinois, like. Um, Frank- Frankfurt, Manhattan, Elwood, um, part of New Lenox. Um, so you get into Will County at that point. Um, yeah, his district extends from Cook County all the way through to Will, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's... Ladies and gentlemen, just before we really get into this, just so you know, if you really want to know what's going on in these elections and why these things are so strange, just take 10 minutes and Google Illinois district maps. And you will see what 50 years of gerrymandering does to an area. Because those districts are insane. 
Oh yeah, and this one's no different. I mean, this one like really does like a diagonal finger from uh, 71st, primarily um, 71st Street in Chicago and diagonally goes into, like I said, Southern sub Suburban, Cook County. Uh, then you get into like, like I said, Frankfurt, half a new Lenox, Manhattan, Elwood, and but the majority of the votes that come for, for Bobby Rush has been the South Side. Um, he uh, his race is really that South Side vote. Um, people he lives in the South Side. He's always been that institution, the South Side. Um, those who don't know Bobby Rush's history, he's a former Black Panther. Um, um, he was there with Bobby Seale. He was right. He, he was right next to Fred Hampton in Chicago. Um, he wasn't with Fred Hampton. Um, wasn't he part of that Peace Stones group that eventually went pacified? Yeah, yeah. For those of you people who don't know, there was a group. There was a gang in the city of Chicago named the Black Peace Stones, and they were a street gang. Now we're not talking modern street gangs. We're talking bats and clubs style street violence for drug dealing that eventually in the 60s when the civil rights movement really started to take off they basically swore off violence and became a political committee which is where the bobby sears connection comes in the black panthers kind of came in and took over the black p stones which is where bobby rush comes from i just so people know their history yeah and and, and so when you say you know bobby rush's democratic machine this is where the contention with some of us with bobby rush is that you have bobby rush um, known Black Panther um, who has been on that front line, who has worked with, like I said, Bobby Seale, Fred Hampton, um, Cha-Cha Jimenez with the Young Lords in Chicago, Students for a Democratic Society in Chicago. Um, he knows people on the left, but when he ran for office, then his attitude changed. It was this idea that, you know, I am a panther, but I'm going to go into building the beast and change from within. And then over time, you started seeing Bobby Rush going from like this very, you know, raising the fist and saying, you know, down with the system to saying, now, we need this bill passed <laughs> because um, if we don't, then, you know, I'm not going to have an office any longer. Um, so, so even though he uses his office as like, a community hub from time to time, um, he's still this Democratic machine, and people have looked to him to move things, and he's been in Congress forever, um, so he's somewhat one of the deans of the House, and people look to him to move legislation. He's part of the Progressive Caucus um, in, the, in Congress and everything. So, I mean, more likely he's going to win. Um, when four years ago, uh, no, two years ago, when he uh, was running, I mean, it was nothing. It was like 90% to two, I want to say, in his race um, two years ago. Um, so for anyone to run up against Bobby Rush as a Republican or even third-party independent is nonsense, yeah. really. 
it, it, it's going to go to Bobby Rush. All the polling says it's going to go to Bobby Rush. There's not a single thing you can find that says that he's likely to lose. But if you're in his district, if it's something that you consider, Bobby Rush, to me, is one of those examples on the left of why we need term limits. The system... You know, it's nice to go in and say that you're going to change the system from the inside, but if you stay in the system long enough, you just become indoctrinated into the system. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what a lot of people feel about Bobby Rush, as well as Danny Davis um, as well, is that, you know, you have two strong black leaders in Chicago who fully understand the problems, but they're so entrenched in the system that they kind of lost their way, I feel, you know, and you know, and I've and I've ran to Bobby Rush before, and I've asked the same question to him about, you know, you you were once this, very proud of it. I know you have the Frank Hampton picture in your office, you have your Black Panther stuff in your office, but how can you go from that to now this politician? where you have to raise funds, you know, this, I mean, because you can't straddle activism and being the politician. It has to be one or the other. I mean, at one point, you know, I was kind of the opinion you could straddle, but you really can't because Bobby Rush is that example that once you're in, then you're in. And once you kind of develop this um, persona in um, the system, then you can do no wrong and you're going to be in office and everything. Now, one could say he could be defeated because the way the district is so um, spread out and Bobby Rush is going to get those Southside votes. But then you have Will County, which primarily is a a Republican county. Um, Some of the southern suburban counties uh, in townships um, can go one way or another. So one could say it could be a 50-50 shot, but, I mean, you really need a very strong Republican in order to win the first congressional race. And until that happens, um, Bobby Rush is going to be there, and uh, unfortunately, until he dies. Okay. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is Bobby Rush. We did the Senate race with Bobby Rush. We're not going to go to my race that I wanted to talk about. And it is mainly my favorite race this year in Illinois. Because of the name, and that is literally it. We are going to talk about the one that you have seen commercials for probably more than any other race, even if you're nowhere near their district. I am talking, of course, ladies and gentlemen, of the congressional race for Illinois' 10th district, and that belongs to Brad Schneider, a former congressman of the 10th district, versus the incumbent, Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole is not Bob Dole. Bob Dole is very different than Bob Dole. Bob Dole is not Bob Dole. But if you keep saying it enough, your brain converts him to Bob Dole. They are nothing alike. But it's just, it is, it's one of those things where you, if you were alive in the 90s, you remember Bob Dole. And I don't know about you, AJ, but I was a big Family Guy fan, and I can only ever picture that scene where Peter gets introduced to Bob Dole, and he goes, Bob Dole likes the cut of your jib. Bob Dole likes what you stand for. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. And Bob Dole just passes out. 
And whenever I see Bob Dold versus Brad Schneider, all I can think of is Bob Dold. I don't know. But real quick, just so people know who these people are, Brad Schneider. Brad Schneider grew up in Denver, Colorado, before moving to Chicago to attend Northwestern University. He obtained a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering and then later received a master's from the Kellogg Graduate School of Management. He worked in Israel for a year before returning to Chicago to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers. More on that company later. Schneider worked at other consulting jobs and businesses before deciding to run for office. In 2013 to 2015, he was a member of the U.S. House in District 10. That's the race he's running for now. In 2008, he funded the Candace Group Consulting. 2007 to 2008, he was the interim CEO of the Transportation Solutions Group. 2003 to 2008, he was the director of Blackman of Blackman Calic. 97 to 2003, managing principal of Davis Dan Adler Schneider Law Firm. He was the founding managing principal of the Schneider Consulting Group. And in 1993, he became the head of strategy and mergers for Commerce Clearing House. He has served on the subcommittee for foreign affairs and on the committee for small businesses. Uh, basically, he is a Democrat through and through. Vote on everything that the president proposed. Never take a stance against the president. On the other side, my favorite candidate of all time, Bob Dole, but not Bob Dole. Bob Dole was born in Evanston, Illinois, where he lived with his parents and three sisters. Here's the part that I find interesting. He did not, AJ, go to Evanston Township High School. He was white and rich and from Evanston. Where do you think he went? Evanston? He went to New Trier. What? Yep. I don't remember. I don't remember that. Yep. Bob Dold went to New Trier. Because he can say he went to New Trier? Because his parents had money. If you have money, you don't go oh, to Oh, because Evanston Township is... Yeah. <laughs> it's convenient how that works out. You think Bobby Rush would have been able to go to New Trier? I don't think so. Uh, he attended New Trier. Oh, they like how this is in his thing. He was the, football, he was the quarterback on New Trier. Oh, oh, that's a well, thing. obviously he's evil. He's clearly evil. <laughs> For those who don't know, Nutrier. Oh, go ahead. This will be fun. <laughs> For those who don't know, and we're why we're kind of poking fun Nutrier. Um, Nutrier is like the creme de la creme of high schools in Illinois, and they um, cheat. Not because they're good in sports. Um, they just have a lot of money. Um, a lot of families have legacy money and funding this. And when I was younger, I always thought New Trier was a private school. Yep. And then you start to realize, no, this is a public school, a public school. Like, state funds New Trier High School. And you have parents who have, you know, $500,000 as a minimum funding the school and everything and that's why they have a very beautiful building their athletics facilities is almost state-of-the-art um and a lot of notable people have gone to new Trier. mark kirk is also one of them who went to new Trier high school um tom morello of rage's machine went to new Trier high school the thing that we all have to remember specifically about Nutrier is that this is a school that has been caught repeatedly moving kids from poor neighborhoods into their districts for athletics. Oh, no, no, no. They don't recruit. They can't. They don't recruit. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't recruit. They what? don't. Re high schools can't recruit. Right. Right. It's just convenient. 
Well, duh. And, and, and very obvious when in the town of Winnetka, suddenly there's a seven-foot-tall African-American kid playing for your basketball team. What are you saying? I, what are you saying? His parents all have money? I'm, I'm simply saying that it, I, I didn't notice that kid when all those kids were in junior high together. Oh, he had a growth spurt. Uh-huh, yeah. We're talking about the high school in Winnetka, Illinois, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever seen a John Hughes movie? That's what we're talking about. And I and and the houses from John Hughes movies. You know those movie houses where you're like, how the hell can anybody afford to live in that house? These are the people that we're talking about. So Bob Dole is evil because he went to Nutrier. Uh, that much is certain. Everyone I know who went to Nutrier eventually revealed themselves to be an asshole. If you didn't know then... You knew later. Yeah, I mean, like it took a couple. It took one of my friends like fifteen years after high school for me to realize it. But yeah, that school does terrible things to people. Could have been better. He could have gone to Loyola. At least they would have had Catholic guilt. You mean Loyola Marymount? No, I mean Loyola High School. The real oh, Loyola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like calling that one the real Loyola, even though it's not. All right. Uh, after high school, Dole attended Denison University, graduating with a BA in '91. He went on to earn a. Uh, JD from Indiana University in 96, and then he went to Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and graduated with an MBA in the year 2000. I wanted to double check something here. When did Brad Schneider graduate with his MBA? Two years after. Yeah, great. Yeah, literally two years later. Okay, so they were in school together. That's I love how incestuous this all is. Uh, he won in 2010 in the 10th district, just uh, the same district that Brad Schneider was in. Uh, he was eventually defeated by Brad Schneider and then won back his seat in 2014. So as a wrestling fan, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the rubber match. They've faced at two WrestleManias, and now they face for a third. Dold has won, Schneider has won, and they face off one final time. Though all polling is showing that Brad Schneider is going to win because, again, the DCCC, or the for those of you who don't know what that means, that would be the National Democratic Convention, has decided that this is a race that they would like to focus on in attempting to win back more seats in the House. Brad Schneider and Robert Dold, and this is going to line up to be a very close race on election night because their district is... North North suburbs and going out west, they, it's it's very strange. And this is going to be uh, one of those races that is probably not going to get called until one in the morning on election night. AJ, how do you feel about Bob Dold? Bob Dold, Bob Dold. I always found Bob Dold to um, be interesting because he's not Joe Walsh, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought Bob Dold was the uh, safe candidate for. The North Shore, but he just needs to go because he's annoying. Not because he's from New Trier, but he's just annoying. Well, and he is actually around a Republican. I know that's that's and that's the other sad thing um, that he's he supported Rauner during this whole budget thing and. As much as you can put that on a Madigan as well, it's just Bruce Rauner's administration is governor. I that's what I'm looking forward to. Is it is it next year's the Illinois governor's race? Eighteen, yeah, is the election. Okay, so it starts up next year, and I, I think Rauner's going to get killed. I think he's going to get creamed. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, being primarily a North Shore resident. Excuse me, would you let me take my hand off and get into my North Shore mentality? Yes, I'm better than the rest of the state. Yes, how can I help you? 
I mean, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I, I see no boundary. In other words, whether it's a Brad Schneider, a Bob Dole, uh, anyone who's a North Shore politician is essentially one and the same. It's just that you may vary on certain issues, but I've never really seen a North Shore Democrat be that outstanding from a North Shore Republican candidate. Well, I mean, North Shore Democrat is basically a moderate Republican. I mean, why would we care? We want tax breaks so that our parks can be nice. Is that it? No, really what it is is uh, you're absolutely... <laughs> no, you're absolutely correct on that. It's it's North Shore Democrats are basically Republicans. The only reason that you vote Democrat in any of those races is quite simply because in any of the votes on national issues you want a democrat voting with the with the party of your choice that that's why you vote north shore for whatever party it's it's one of those it's actually one of those races that matters in that way anyone who votes for trump is going to vote for dold anyone who votes for clinton is going to vote for Schneider. that 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 honestly is what i think happens in that race it's going to be close the night of because you'll have some you know outstanding supporters for bob dole because you'll get a lot of republicans who cross the line and vote for hillary are still going to vote for Dole for Congress, but generally speaking, it's going to be a party line vote because there is no difference in policy. That's also why when people say that you can call Hillary Clinton a Republican, she's a North Shore Republican. Park Ridge right. is not technically North Shore, but it's about as close as you can get without being it. So, well, it's the thing, and you know, as a political strategist, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the North Shore matters. I'm like, well, it doesn't because who in the North Shore is going to be fighting for progressive issues because exactly I, I mean i've talked to a fair amount of north shore republicans democrats and it's like so you agree with that person no this is where we differ i'm like how right <laughs> you're just blurring that line between ideologies you know and it, it, in my understanding also that you know a north shore republican has more legacy than a North Shore Democrat. And by that I mean you have really old money Republicans that were more like using the party as like a social club rather than, you know, uh, city of Chicago Democrat where you have a ward captain and they're somewhat working class people and they want to get their issues out front and everything. I may be wrong in that analysis. Not only that you are, I think that if you really look at it, though, that the any North Shore candidate, any, uh, as you like, as you taught me the phrase, Collar County candidates for Congress uh, tend to be party faithful, uh, especially on the Democratic side in Illinois. Illinois, like, people don't understand how strong we live here, so it's different for us. But you got to understand that in other places in the country, the races are actually a lot closer. We just happen to live in the Democratic stronghold other than New York City. Right. Like, it's New York, Chicago, and pretty much all of California are where all Democratic policies are born. And that's why when you hear, like, National Democrats talking about issues, and you're like, well, that's not really a debate where I'm from. It's because we live in a very Democratic area. And even the most staunch Republican leans Democrat. 
uh, at least in the northern part of Illinois. Southern Illinois is different, and I leave that in AJ's expert hands. Speaking of Illinois in general and the state as a whole, before we get out of here today, AJ, I do want to talk about this ballot issue because this is one of those issues that is worded weirdly, and I don't know where to fall on it. <laughs> and because you're laughing, I think it'd be more fun for you to explain what I'm talking about and what the hell is going on. Ladies and gentlemen, I hand to you AJ and the Transportation Fund Ballot Initiative. AJ, my friend. Well, um, thank you for attending the seminar on the uh, ballot measure here in Illinois about the transportation lockbox. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsors, uh, Whole Grain Wheat. It's not tasty, but it's necessary. Um, for those in Illinois who don't understand what's going on, uh, there's a, a constitutional change in Illinois um, under um, Article 9 of the Constitution. And um, the best way, and I mean the best way, to fully understand this because I had to read this five different times. I'm, I'm still not 100% sure. And I had to what call certain people. Me too. Literally um, did the same thing. I called my uncle who works for one of those planning commissions. Oh, I had to call the son of the Secretary of Transportation in Illinois to okay. fully understand this. So yours is more important than mine. Fine, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying... I'm just, Trying to get as close to the source as possible, you know? My understanding of, of this change is this. Currently, as it stands, all the revenue that comes to the state of Illinois um, just goes into one general fund. And that money is then dispersed um, in various line items in the budget and everything. Um, so for the most part, when it comes to transportation items in the budget... It comes out of that general fund and when we have a very divisive general assembly, general assembly in Illinois we have people taking money and placing it elsewhere in this change in the Constitution which is article 9 section 11 um, the money will stay any revenue and that's that is earmarked for transportation will stay in transportation and will not leave and be used for other items in the general budget. May I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. To explain this to people who aren't following because it does sound incredibly complicated and you use terms like earmark and stuff, let's put it to you this way. Look at your, imagine that it's the beginning of the month and you got your paycheck on the 30th and now it's the 1st. Okay, and which actually works. We're the second of the month, and you're looking at your month, and you're like, "All right, I have a hundred dollars for food. I have a hundred dollars for clothes. I have a hundred dollars for this." The idea is that it happens to any of us. Well, by week three, you spent a hundred and twenty dollars on food, so now you've taken twenty dollars out of your clothing fund, right? Even though you wrote down that you were planning on spending it on clothing, you're not beholden to that. You can change money around in your own pocket. This is what the state government does with the general fund. Yeah, at the beginning of the year when the budget comes out, we mark, I don't know what the numbers are, but let's say $20 billion for road repairs throughout the state. 
Okay, well, it's earmarked. Well, as the year goes on and we have massive, massive education funds or some sort of natural natural disaster were to hit, you know, in a part of the state that needs revenue quickly to help rebuild or to help emergency management, they can take money that was literally written down as this is going to go for the budget and pull it out and put it somewhere else. And this is how the government of Illinois has essentially screwed itself so badly over the last 20 years. I, I just wanted to give people a better analogy, AJ. Go ahead. Well, I mean, no, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. And so when there's a yes or no vote on the ballot, the yes vote means that you support the amendment blocking lawmakers from using transportation funds for anything other than their stated purpose. If you vote no, that, that means you oppose this amendment blocking law members from using transportation funds for anything other than other than the stated purpose and everything. So and let me give you here's what I find more interesting. So those who like support this um, ballot measure are some people you may not have heard. Um, you know, there's Representative Phelps in the um, 118th district in Illinois, um, Senator um, Forby in the 59th um, district, um, state senate district, uh, Senator Hain, Bill Hain of um, the 56th senate district, um, and Representative Bennett of the 106th uh, representative district. And there's a whole slew of organizations that support this. Um, AAA of Chicago, um, Illinois Black Chamber of Commerce, the Illinois Construction Committee, uh, a whole even the Illinois Soybean Association is getting behind this and everything. Um, even certain unions are getting behind this also. Um, those who are actually opposing it, now the people I just named are Democrats. Those who oppose it is Representative Barbara, Lynn, Barbara Flynn Curry, excuse me, of um, the 25th uh, Illinois <laughs> Representative District, which is in um, Hyde Park um, area of Chicago. Um, Laura Finn, who is the Democrat of um, by Evanston in the 17th, um, and two other Democrats, and one of them I believe is in Champaign-Urbana, uh, are against this. So, I mean, this is like a very divisive thing for established Democrats like Barbara Flynn Curry and Representative Pamela Reeves Harris um, and everything. Um, I'm actually in favor of this bill because, I, like I said, you know, this money is actually staying in transportation. And for those who live in Illinois um, may know, our transportation and transportation infrastructure sucks. Yeah, it's one of the worst in the country. You know, and the in having this pass means there'll be actually money in the budget to repair highways, roads, and tolls. Um, actual money to fund um, people who are working on transportation and everything. Um, it, and it means that represent you know the, the lawmakers can't take that money out and put it into whatever the state of Illinois feels is necessary and everything. And, and honestly, um, as much as I you know, support certain things in Illinois, 
this money won't be used for the makeup of the, the pension deficit that we have in Illinois also. So um, I'm all in favor of this bill. I mean, it, so what I read to you, Nick, is that how you interpreted the uh it's exactly how I, it's exactly how I interpreted it, and I am. This is going to be one of those things I'm going to have to decide the day of the election, and I'll tell you why. You and I are you're in support of this, and I and I respect your opinion, and I don't have enough information to say that I think that you're wrong. I, I would simply argue that I my biggest concern with this is that it is a constitutional amendment and not a regular law. And the reason that I don't like it as a constitutional amendment is uh, once that goes into effect, it's very, very difficult to change. And I am not sure. Okay, how to put this right? We are going to get, I, I know we're running a little long, folks. This will be the last thing we talk about, but I really want to get into this just for a second here. Here's my deal, AJ. We live in, one of the braces of our show is that things are not always easy to solve, correct? We talk about that mm-hmm. all the time. Okay. We live in a time where environment and climate change is changing the weather patterns as we understand them. Uh, it was 80 degrees on November 1st yesterday. Now, while that may have happened before, I feel like we're due for a couple more 80-degree days this month, which is insane. And it's changing the climate. It's allowing everything to keep going in the city in the city of miami they are now starting to deal with rising tides i don't know if anybody had the opportunity to watch the uh leonardo dicaprio documentary that was on national geographic highly recommended it was very good kind of biased obviously because it's leo but it was still it was interesting to watch but with that happening with the massive amounts of tornadoes and hurricanes and everything that we've seen in a changing climate i am very wary of locking money up that may need be needed to be used for an emergency. Now, I understand that in day-to-day operations, this is a good thing because it allows us to keep stuff funded. However, I would point out that a majority of the, of the people spending money in favor of this amendment are people who stand to benefit from transportation funds not going away. Contractors, people who work on roads, unions who support those workers are the people who are really behind this. I don't know how I feel about this amendment because the more I look into it, the more I start to think, okay, but what if? This is a this is my issue. It's kind of similar to the pension issue here in Illinois. We prioritize pensions uh, funding, in my opinion, properly so, but did not allow for any wiggle room. And then due to partisan politics that have stayed, that have kept the rate of living, uh, the living wage multiplier down, we are now at a pension crisis, which is why... The lockbox idea for pensions is what causes the pension crisis. We are required to fund that no matter mm-hmm. what. And because we didn't properly maintain it by keeping the, the, the living wage multiplier down, we've created our own problem. And I feel like if we do this, we are literally recreating the exact same problem we have with the pensions but with the roads, where we're going to have to fund them no matter what and as usual. What I would support more than this, honestly, AJ, and I think you would too, would be an education lockbox. That's what I would support. Well, I think this thing, you know, is I think this measure, along with some other measures are going to be down the pipe soon, is to actually define where money goes because the problem we have in Illinois is that we have like this loose budget and it's kind of, you know, here's the the assembly's budget, here's the governor's budget 
and you know was kind of come to a, a compromise budget if that's possible. Um, but if 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 we do that, then there's going to be some areas that are going to be short sighted, and unfortunately, like education, transportation has always been underfunded. You know, I can't tell you how many times out my way when we actually had bad um, snow that there was not enough salt to put on the road so that you know the interstate can be used um, certain secondary roads can be used etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, by having this lockbox you're actually defining that this money is only used for that my only contention with this bill is that it's too broad and there are certain broad things in this measure that I wish they would firm up a little bit but you know they don't they, they can't come up with a two-page thing unfortunately I don't wish they would but for the most part having some sort of lockbox for transportation as well as for education as well as for housing I would love to see those things but until those other two things like education and housing happens um, having one for transportation so we can actually fix Illinois roads and actually pay people right, rightly so um, has to be the thing we have to do, I kind of feel. Well, it's a complicated issue, folks. Feel free to go online and read about it as much as you want before you make election. Uh, I think, AJ, it's fair to say that both of us are big supporters of do not go into an election booth blind. The day before, a couple days before, Go online, type in your zip code, type in your address, figure out exactly what you're voting on, and know who you're voting for and everything. Now, we touched on two congressional races, a Senate race, and a ballot measure. There are, I believe if you finally count it, 1,400 things being voted on across the state this year. 1,400 different elections, if you include judges and state congressmen and town ballot issues and town elections. It's something like 1,400 different elections. It might be more. And... Every single one of them is important. Your vote for judge does matter. If you see a vote where it's a judge versus nobody, then whatever. There's nothing you can do about that. But if you see that there is a race in your area that you don't know about, don't just vote blind and don't leave it blank. Take time and do it. This is your... This is... They, they say it in the movie The American President. Living in America is advanced citizenship. You have to want it. You've got to be willing to put in the time. And now AJ and I will fight all the time about whether or not you should be out on the street marching or whether or not you should be, uh, or, or not whether or not, but if it makes sense for you to be out on the street marching for issues. AJ says that you should do it more often. I say I understand why you can't. But when it comes to this issue, I think we're both in agreement that you have an hour. I don't care when it is. Go online, Google your ballot. Look into what you're voting and vote for what you want to vote for. Don't vote for something because we say that you should. Don't vote for something because your parents or your family or your brother, your sister, your wife, your your husband, your cousin, your best friend. Vote for something because it's what you want. But know what that is before you go into the booth. We mentioned this one ballot measure. This is a statewide ballot measure. This is incredibly important. People think that because we're talking about transportation that it has no meaning. AJ, before we get out of here, should we ram home to people how important an issue this transportation thing is long-term for the state of Illinois? Oh, it's huge. Um, by not voting for it, um, you're kind of not helping the state of Illinois, quite honestly. Um, 
on I mean, either side of the vote. By, by the, he doesn't mean by voting in support of it. He means by voting either way of it. Right. That's the thing. You know, I mean, if you're going to vote no for it, vote no for it. If you vote yes, vote yes for it. But the bottom line is this. There's been ballot measures in Illinois for a number of years, and I can't tell you how many times when I look at those num- poll numbers <clears throat> that the turnout for those have been very, very low. Um, for and when you when you when you say like how come we have these issues is because you didn't vote for this measure, you know. So this transportation one, in my view, is highly important. Um, as someone who has traveled throughout this state many, many, many times over a number, number of years, um, most notably in the last few months with the socialist candidate for president of the United States. Exactly. Uh, we need better roads we need to have better tolls we need to have a lot of great things when it comes to transportation um because transportation has been one of the cornerstones of this thing that we call commerce you know and if the roads don't function well then your mail won't come on time then your amazon Prime stuff won't come in on time. Your whatever it is, bridges uh, may roads start are to collapse. It's not Amazon Prime, but you get the gist of it. But bridges, <laughs> may, bridges may start to collapse. You know, yeah, bridges are going to collapse. Which I can tell you, there's one in Rockford that I'm surprised it it, it, it probably won't, or it, it probably will in the next five years. The North Avenue, um, the North Avenue overpass. Exactly. I mean, these things that matter. You know, um, uh, if I, our in, if our transportation infrastructure decays then a whole things will, it will not collapse, but it's, it's just this snowball effect. And all we're going to do is, you know, keep complaining that roads are bad and a few other things. So um, it's an important issue, even though it's very broad. Um, and if you don't understand it, um, there is Ballotpedia that will <clears throat> give you a summary, um, I, I believe, Jesse White's office sent something in the mail as well as to what the measure says with a synopsis and everything. Yeah, I got that along with my Democratic pre-filled ballot. Um, Are you serious? Not pre-filled, but it was one of those like here's a here's an absolute here's a an early voting ballot you can drop in by mail sent to you by the Democratic Party. Oh wow! Yeah, it was funny. It's because I tried registering as a Democrat a while ago. Um, <laughs> All right, before, but here's the other thing. Like, AJ made some good points about transportation in general. My thing with this is very simple. Uh, You've heard for the last three years, actually 10 years, about the Illinois budget crisis. You keep hearing about this stuff, and you wonder how it gets so bad. You not voting on stuff like this is how it gets so bad. Whether you agree with it or don't, and as you can tell from me talking, I don't really know where I stand on this yet. I'm going to educate myself on it as much as I can. It's a complicated decision. Oh yes. Okay. Well, apparently, according to the voice in my head, I'm going to vote yes. But my point is, educate yourself on this stuff. Learn this stuff. Know what it is that you're voting for before you walk into the booth, because it makes a difference. And if you disagree or agree or do whatever at least you got your voice heard on the issue and then you can talk about it later and be somewhat informed 
Uh, other than that, I think it's time for us to end this today. We're going to try to be doing a show, ladies and gentlemen, for the rest of this little run here. Probably do a show uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturday if we can get our schedules to work. But we're definitely back on Monday, and then we'll be doing another show Tuesday night uh, as soon as the final results of the presidential election are in. And then we'll probably be doing a show next Wednesday, and then I'm going to tell AJ that we're going to take the rest of the week off to not think about the podcast at all because it's been a tough six months. Uh, and then we're going to try to get some other stuff going on later, but that's after we decide whether or not the world is coming to an end. So, ladies and gentlemen, AJ, do you have anything left that you would like to promote, plug, speak about, perhaps have a laugh or two along the way as we get out of here? Uh, not the moment, just uh, it's six days. We're in the final stretch, ladies and gentlemen. It's It's been a long road. Um, so, uh, let's just... Uh, Keep going. Do this together. Yeah, well, let's do this together. Let's let's have a little bit more fun. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Out Front uh, on the Chicago Podcast Network. I am Nick Serrano, joined over the interwebs and Skype by AJ Signari. AJ, say goodbye to the wonderful people. Bye, people. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. You can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All of those wonderful ways for you to get in touch with all of us. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, downloading. Please recommend us to your friends. Like us on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Twitter or whatever it is you do on Twitter to let people know that you love us. And, you know... Send AJ dirty pictures of you. He likes that kind of stuff. Uh, I believe the phrase that we're looking for at this point is, Go Indians! No, I'm kidding. We out! Go Cubs. Son of a bitch. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.